Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. And uh, we do want to tell you at this time that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers Now sent you. Roos Chris is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Uh, coming up today at 1255, Oilers game day trivia for our friends at Pro-Am Sports. As we head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, and we welcome back to the show one of the most plugged in middle of business, uh, courtesy of our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing returns to the Century Mile Racetrack Saturday, May 6th. For more information, head to thehorses.com. We welcome back Frank Saravalli. Hi, Frank. How are you? Bob, I'm good. Uh, how was the Dodgers game last night? Yeah, I didn't talk about that actually yet. Um, just worked out that we got a late invite. Um, it was, and it's going to sound trite given what people experience in Edmonton weather-wise. It was cool. Like Don't it was be that guy. Well, and and I'll tell you what happened. Like uh, it was, it's windy. It's windy in LA right now, and I mean windy. I mean like egg beater shaking as you're trying to land the plane, Wendy. And it was, there were several of us afterwards uh, that were feeling the effects. And then we literally dropped our stuff off at the hotel, put on a pair of jeans and, you know, headed to the ballpark. And, and it was windy in the park. Uh, look, it's a gorgeous stadium, as you know. Um, it's baseball the, the, as it's meant to be played. Yeah. And the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Like, they are a big deal. I mean... I, I'm not the same, Frank. I was in fantasy and rotisserie style baseball in the late 1980s and until 94. Wow. Until they before shut it was a thing. And, yeah, before it was a thing. Um, you know, Craig, uh, Craig Lupel, Joff, Joff Lupel's dad was one of the best guys. He, he had a lawyer buddy uh, that I lived with for about two years named Richard Smith. And those guys were, were pretty, we were, we've all been in the same hockey pool since 1988 and we were in baseball pools from 88 to 94 and I was in first place and then they shut the league down and I never really got in, you know what I mean? Like haven't, you know, I guess a little bit when the Blue Jays had their run, what was it? 15, maybe 16, whatever years it was. I'm just not into it the same way. It was fun. It was Are good. Are you still in a hockey pool? Uh, yeah, I'm still in the same pool. Do you, and how do you do in that pool? Are you good? I'm currently in first. Huh? I've been in I'm first not shocked, almost. but I'm not a very good hockey pool player, and I don't. It doesn't get me going, but I'm. Well, I was in I one this year, and I finished fifteenth out of thirty-two. All right, so so there's twenty teams. It's ten categories: six for forwards, three for defense, one for goaltenders. Uh, it's a keeper pool, which means you get to keep up to twelve keepers a year. It's got a salary cap. And one of the things that I, and it took, it took me a while. Like I was not one of the better owners 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, but this, if, if I can hold on and there's no guarantee I will, there's two weeks left in the regular, uh, regular season. But if I hold on, I will have won the pool twice in the last four years. And one of the things that I've done is high load my team. So I've tried to get as much high end talent. And tied up, you know, 95% of my cap space on the best seven or eight players I can. And then the rest, 
you fill out with the cheapest players possible. And there is an NHL team that has used the same template, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. They have, well, the Oilers they have are run. kind of getting they're getting close to that. The they Oilers are. Be. They will be. Yeah, and and there's a, there's a see because there's only twenty teams in our pool. There's an unlimited amount of good players available for cheap. It's different at an NHL level, and that's where we're going to go next year in our conversation, Frank. So my theory on this is: the better the Oilers get, the easier it becomes to recruit on those final four or five contracts you need to fill out the roster. Because players are sitting there going, well, I can go play for 800 or 900 for this team and maybe have a little bit more ice time, or I can go to the Oilers and have a chance to win. And we've been on the other end of it here in Edmonton where that belief wasn't there, and the Oilers have to overpay for those sort of players. I just, you know, and, and I, the, 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 well, let's, let's ask you. You're the, like, you know, you talk to GMs around the league every day. What's the perception and the consensus of the Edmonton Oilers at this time? Yeah, I think it's a team that's, it sounds kind of funny to say, but it's a team that's on the rise. There still is a better place that the Oilers can get to. And I think you saw getting to the final four last year was a huge step in that direction. And I I think when I watch Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, as special as they've been this year and this incredible season from Ryan Nugent Hopkins that league-wide isn't really getting enough love, I'd say that there's so much optimism from people around the league that this team can actually be better than what it's shown uh, and probably would be better this year with some better goaltending. So I think when you look at them, the sky is the limit. Um, I still as unbelievable and, you know, find whatever adjective you want to describe McDavid mind-blowing on a nightly basis – the scary part for the rest of the league is I, I don't even think he's reached his peak. He's not reached the peak of his powers quite yet, which is that's got to give teams not just in the Pacific, but throughout the West nightmares. It would keep GMs up at night to think that this is the, you know, the type of player that you, you have to go up against on a nightly basis in the playoffs. And I do think that there's a correlation. I think we've seen, you know, especially with some cup winners in Tampa. And then now just like take a look at the recent example that we saw to your point with the contracts and the cap with a team like Colorado last year. So like he, he's had mixed results this year, but Evan Rodriguez is a guy that scored 19 goals last year and 43 points. He's going to be just short of matching those numbers this year, but he got himself into a spot with his contract where he was you know, hoping for a multi-year, four-year deal uh, at, a, at a number significantly higher than three million bucks. And he works himself into a position in free agency where he lingers on the market and then considers his options and says, you know what, if I'm gonna sign a one-year, $2 million deal somewhere, I'm gonna try and do it on the best team that I can. And that he felt was you know, among those offering was the Colorado Avalanche, hard to argue with the success that they had last season. So he puts himself in a spot where he can hopefully cash in. And that's a proposition that I think the Oilers are going to have to leverage this summer, um, especially if there's an increase or influx in cap space, that they can do something similar. Why can't you, if he lingers, not lingers on the market, but if he ends up on the market and is considering all of his options, 
why couldn't you sign a Patrick Kane, you know, use the Duncan Keith connection to get him there for one season and see if you can create some magic, things like that, that I think the Oilers have at their disposal. Yeah. Uh, agree or disagree. The Edmonton Oilers have the best top five forwards in the NHL. Agree. Okay. So they've got good forwards that there's, there's a spot in the second line. Some days Yamamoto plays well. Other times he ends up moved further down the lineup. That one spot for me, because obviously the Oilers have McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman and Kane all signed, uh, to, to long-term contracts. And I know there's three years left on Connor and two years left on Leon, whatever. Um, but the reality of the situation is there's a spot on second line right wing. And you mentioned Patrick Kane. He could play in that position. This, this name isn't sexy, but you brought something up last week about how you could potentially circumvent having to pay a guy a huge uh, or a significant base uh, regarding Connor Brown, who, of course, mm-hmm. played with Connor McDavid on the Erie Otters. Is very, I, I would suggest Connor Brown might be Zach Hyman light. Now he's coming mm-hmm. off a torn ACL. That's going to have. And then you did you not also mention Pacioretty? Players yes. like that, those might be the type of. So explain how Edmonton could could end up signing players like that without committing significant um, uh, base salaries. Yeah. So just to add a caveat to what you were saying, it's not actually circumvention. It's just a tool that would be at any team's disposal. And it's a clause, everyone knows how 35 and over contracts work, where you can pay a player a minimal base salary or perhaps even league minimum base salary and then have a bunch of performance bonuses that are attached to it to increase their earnings. You see it frequently, um, especially with over 35 goalies. You see it with over 35 players where all they count against the cap is what that base salary is written as in the contract and then whatever bonuses they earn you know you can structure it uh you know even some of the guys on the bruins this year are playing on on contracts like that um david Krejci, for instance his deal is a million dollars and he got a one million dollar games played bonus when he hit 10 games and another five hundred thousand dollars at 20 games and once they qualified for the playoffs, he got another 500000 So in total, David Krejci is going to pocket $3 million, but all that counts against the Bruins cap this year is one. So the same exact theory applies um, or execution applies with players that were injured and missed significant chunks of time. So the stipulation is you must have played 400 games in the NHL and you must have missed 100 days or more on LTIR the previous season. So the season is 186 days in total. Pacioretty and Connor Brown missed well north of 100. Both of those guys missed 77 and 78 games this season. And so they're eligible to sign a contract in that exact same way. And it's just one way that teams are looking at it. Connor Brown is a is a significant. You, you said you probably labeled him perfectly as Zach Hyman light. Um, teams were really you know looking at the cap, saying that was a smart signing last summer, uh, a smart guy to add to your team. And of course, he he tears his ACL and has some unlucky you know a bad dose of luck there. Unfortunate season. Pacioretty re tears his Achilles in the exact same spot, I'm told, where the last one was repaired, which would indicate that 
surgery might not have been successful. It right. has been taken care of this time around, and Pacioretty's been one of the game's great snipers over the last four to five seasons. Teams are going to be interested to use those types of provisions to bring players like that in that can impact their team, and then you push the cap concerns to a later date. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I'd have all the time in the world for Connor Brown. I, I would think that, you know, people that have listened to his shows, for, I used to mention Connor Brown and Nick Paul out of Ottawa all the time. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I honestly believe Pierre Durand was looking more for more from Edmonton than he took from Washington when he executed that trade. It's interesting because Pierre Dorian's we'll get to another player that Dorian might, be, I think, will be moving this summer. Uh, but it's, it's a pretty intriguing scenario i think uh, because in my opinion brown would be a 18 to 22 goal 45 to 55 point guy that kills penalties and i think would be a real good fit for a team like he just and i'm not concerned about him being able to skate again coming off that injury so but i have a feeling that his agent jeff jackson who happens to be Connor mcdavid and evan bouchard's agent might be thinking that he'd be looking he, th- he probably thinks he can get a base in the threes on a, a term length of at least three million do you think that's feasible for him um it's i guess the term length is the question it sounds a little high coming off such a significant injury i have no doubt that the interest will be there but maybe the only benefit to having the injury occur when it did in the first you know week or two of the season is that you've got such a long runway to get to the other side of it that you'll be ready to hit the ground running and teams will surely have done enough homework to understand where he's at in his rehab process yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Patch Ready, and I because I talked about Vegas's approach to things and high lowing their team, and you think about what they did, Frank. They gave up a first, a second, and a third to get Tatar from Detroit. They then traded Suzuki and Tatar in a second to the Canadians for Patch Ready, and then a couple of years later ran into cap difficulty and basically gave Patch Ready away from free. I mean, but they're Vegas. They're in on every player. I mean, you can make an argument that them signing Petrangelo started the downward turn in a significant way for the St. Louis Blues. That the Blues have not been the same organization since losing them. Would you agree? I think that's fair. Um, That's the lesson to teams is don't play hardball with your best players because they might just have enough at the end of the day and walk. That went down to the wire they were betting the Blues were that uh, Alex Petrangelo wouldn't leave. Doug Armstrong, uh, you know, he's a fiery guy and a competitive guy and sort of dug in on a bunch of different clauses and bonus structure that Alex Petrangelo was seeking. And finally, sort of at the last second, when he realized that Petrangelo might actually walk, is when he ended up buckling on that. And it was just, it was just too late. Um, you know, they're kind of famous for not really paying players signing bonus. And he ended up getting that plus plus in Vegas to go there. And I just think Vegas is also a cautionary tale in salary cap management in the sense that it is nice to be to high, to go high, low and to have real impact players. But I think part of the risk in that is, you end up in a spot, especially when injuries come into play, like losing Mark Stone for the bulk of two seasons now. When you when one of those guys or, God forbid, two of those guys go down, your team 
gets really thin in a hurry and it becomes difficult to compete. If you would have told me months ago in, you know, when Bruce Cassidy was hired that this team in Vegas would lose stone and have the goaltending shuffle that they've had. And Jack Eichel would be a mostly marginal player this year relative to his salary. I'd say there's no way that that team makes the playoffs, let alone is in a spot where they're in the driver's seat to win the division. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Edmonton walloped them the other night, dominated them in every possible metric pot, you know, but what's even crazier about Vegas, goals for 15th, goals against 10th, power play 16th, PK 18th, shots for 14th, and shots against 15th. Like those Almost are every metric works against Vegas, including the underlying numbers and analytics. But their goalies stopped the puck. They're seventh in the league. They're, they've got good. Uh, they've had a good save percentage all year. Quick hitter. I circled back to Ottawa for a second here. A player, Alex Formanton. You know, <laughs> everyone's kind of in a holding pattern. Um, do you think he's a player that gets moved in the off season? Because he is a player. He's a legitimate top six player. He can skate. Um, was part of the 2018 World Junior Team. I don't even know where he's playing right now, but I know he's over in Europe. Is this a guy that there's going to be some interest out there in the offseason on? I guess it depends on what the results and findings are of the 2018 World Junior investigation. No one's really been willing to say it publicly, but that's a clear reason why, to me, he wasn't signed to a contract this season. There really wasn't even any negotiation. Um, And it's a sort of perplexing situation in the sense that I don't. I can't say that it's prejudged. I don't because I don't know enough. But to to think of other players that may be involved in this case, they're all still playing and earning a living, and the Sens have decided that Formanton is not allowed to. So, I, does he have some sort of grievance or case? Hard to say. I think the real sticking point was. There was a qualifying offer on the table that he didn't sign, and so that also then, I think, uh, removed the legal obligations of the Sens because they're able to say that they they offered him a deal. I I don't know how it all plays out. I think if he is absolved, and it depends on who you talk to, the sort of rumblings and scuttlebutt about this case, there is some thought out there, and I'm not saying that players will walk free, but there is some thought out there that the NHL's hands may be tied and they may not have an avenue or an ability to really discipline anyone in a significant way. I guess the answer on Formanton and everyone else in potentially involved is, you know, wait and see. We tweeted it out from the Oilers Now account. You did a piece on Leon Dreisaitl trying to catch uh, Tim Gurr's 34-goal power play record. As you know, the Oilers have the top three scoring players in the league on the power play in the NHL this year. Leon's up to 30 power play goals. Um, the Oilers power play over the last four years. Ken Holland has the ninth best. The Oilers have the ninth best record in the NHL, the ninth most amount of wins over the last four seasons. Their power play over the last four years is at 29%. That is the highest, by the way, of any four-year period that we've seen in the last 35 years in this league. Um, tell me, sort of, if you could, a Coles Notes version on Tim Kerr and the connection between the Oilers, Leon Dreisettle, and Tim Kerr. Yeah, it's actually a pretty awesome connection. As you know, in the mid-1980s, the Oilers and Flyers played some of the best hockey 
uh, against one another. So many sort of historic moments and um, amazing things that connected those two teams. But it goes a little bit deeper in that Tim Kerr, when he scored the, the single season record of 34 power play goals in 85-86, the guy who assisted on more than half of those goals, 18 of them, was Pelly Eklund. And why is that name significant to Oilers fans? Well, he was a European-based amateur scout for the Oilers for 10 years, and he's part of the group that's responsible for the Oilers drafting Leon Dreisaitl, who then, of course, the connection is is now chasing Tim Kerr's record. He needs four power play goals over the last five games to match Kerr. He needs five to break it. This is a record I'm cheering for. Um, I, I didn't think would ever have a chance to be broken, you know, especially five, eight years ago in this league. 34 goals of any kind in any season is an incredible accomplishment, but 34 on the power play to even be within striking distance. Dreisaitl's the first player since Mario Lemieux in 95-96 to hit 30. And so two statements I'll make based on the stat you provided. One, this Oilers power play this season, yeah, it's going to set the the percentage record uh, for a single season by a team. This is the best power play that's ever been assembled in NHL history. And so they have the stats to back that eye test up. But it's actually way more impressive when you consider the difference in era. And what I mean by that is there were way more penalties called back then. So the Flyers that year that Tim Kerr set the record, they had 359 power plays opportunities. The Oilers this year are going to have, you know, somewhere around 80 fewer chances. And so when you do the math and equate it all, Basically, it boils down to Tim Kerr scored on 8% of the Flyers power plays that year when he set the record, and Dreisaitl has scored on north of 11%. So what Leon Dreisaitl, from a singular perspective, has done this season is the most impressive power play run in NHL history. And more than that, um, I, it's, it's an individual record, Bob. And this is what Dave Poole and the captain of that Flyers team was saying to me the other day. It's an individual record, but when you think about it, it's actually a team accomplishment if Dreisaitl gets there. Awesome stuff, Frank. Much appreciated. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now. Thanks, Bob. Have a good one. All right. Uh, it is 12.56 in Edmonton. We're going to marry the two breaks, but not before we get to Oilers game day trivia. It is brought to you by Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton and on St. Albert Trail or online on proamsports.ca. Up for grabs, a $50 GC from Pro-Am Sports and bragging rights. It's a pretty simple question. Tim Stutzla has had a great season with the Ottawa Senators. He was the third pick in the 2019 draft. Which L.A. King went one pick before him, second overall in 2019? The question again, which L.A. King went second overall in 2019? He's in the lineup tonight. He's going to play on the Kings' top line. That's Oilers game day trivia for Pro-Am Sports. Text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn and come back with Brian Lawton. 911, what's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's a 
your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.